the stepping of this man, Luke Johan. Bounce off from McNulty, and away he goes! Harry McNulty! Knight gets away, Knight, up to the 22, he won't be caught! I was originally not meant to go to London. Well, not originally. The selection was going to be sort of like stronger squad power or Toulouse, and then a lot of changes for London. But I had a wedding. Oh my god, I had a wedding just this weekend back in London for my cousin. So I was just said to the coach, I was like, I need to make plans to like either book flights or if I'm going to London, hello, or stay. Um. So can you just like let me know what's going to happen? And this was like probably a month before the tournament. Then he just went, oh, we'll just bring you to both. So then you can get the week off and then you can just do whatever you want, come back or stay or whatever you want. So I was like, okay, grand. And then he said, but we'll probably like monitor your minutes in London. Give the lads a few more minutes. Man, I missed fucking two minutes over the whole weekend. It's the biggest lie that coaches say to players, we'll monitor minutes. I technically played less in Toulouse. Um, but, man, I slept 14 hours last Friday. Oh, wow. I was, nice. just, I was so fucked. I'm still wrecked. I don't know. But, yeah, all good. In a coma. Honestly, woke up, Johnny's all over my pillow. Like Chris Knight must have been around somewhere. <laughs> slipped in, slipped out. <laughs> How are you doing, Doc? What have you been up to? All good. Like I know it's hot here normally, but it's gone to another level. Um yesterday filming it was thirty one degrees. And then when I actually checked when I went back home, it was actually thirty six. And um I didn't realise how much I run around when I filmed the videos. I hit ten I hit 10k just running around filming videos and I was like no Meg was like you're so quiet in the evening I was like I am fucked no way 10k mate yeah so I started I looked at my watch and it like it takes me with the tube and stuff probably like a k and a half there k and a half back and by the time I got home it was at uh, 13k which is ridiculous and I was losing the plot trying to film a spiral kick video and just do you know like spiral kicks is actually quite hard to hit them right <laughs> i wasn't even trying to hit them right every time but where it's not yeah. like where you're not fucking showing anything in the video so yeah i was uh like i had six balls and you were kind of having to like kick all six of them maybe three times to get like five or six good clips so that was a lot of lot of running you need to get yourself a little digital assistant that like goes and collects the balls for you and just honestly I'd pay them a fortune I'd I'd pay them a fortune because it would save me so much time like and just the effort. There you go. If you're listening and you're in Hong Kong and you want to be Luke's digital assistant, put put a CV in. Where can they send the CV into, Luke? And what what's got to be on the CV? Professional ball catcher. Uh, you know, surprise me. There's got to be something that stands out on the page. Um, doesn't even have to be related to the initial job. Um, and then, yeah, just send it to channel.thisis7s at gmail.com and uh, I'll get Nighty to have a look through them for us. Kudos if you send a photo in with it as well. <laughs> yeah. What's Di, what's Di doing? Can't Di help you out? 
Uh, so to be fair, Di's doing a, doing a great job making content for Rugby Tots. Um, I did a video with them for the Hong Kong Sevens, and uh, he's been doing a bit of coaching, a bit of video uh, real creation for them, which is a very fun job. If you head over to Rugby Tots Hong Kong, you can see kids there causing all sorts of carnage. And um, yeah, Di's got quite a fun job of capturing that and uh, yeah, everyone knows kids who are quite young say absolutely mental things or do some red stuff and he gets to just point the camera at it and uh, pick the best bits but yeah he so he's he's moved to he's been here for a couple of weeks and his girlfriend came on sunday so they've been having a good week as well getting out and about and seeing different bits of hong kong bloody lovely very good are you recording now nighty as well are we on yeah, I start. I press record at the start. I just thought I'd we'd shoot the shit. So <laughs> there you go. We're fully, we're fully into it, mate. We're fully into it. <laughs> kamikaze, kamikaze podcasting. That's where you get the best stuff, isn't it? Yeah. How have you been, Naive? What have you been up to? I've been <laughs> back and forth to London as per the last podcast. I was up there for the Barbarians World 15 game on Sunday, which is again very cool. It sounded unreal. Yeah, it was cool. Like the teams, immense teams, like the talent on show, partly because a lot of the boys or a lot of players are kind of out of contract, which is quite sad. So you had a lot of boys have the freedom to play. I was speaking to Patchell after the game. He said, usually boys wouldn't be able to do this and this like sort of game wouldn't be on, but because lads are out of contract, they've got nowhere to go. They've got no one telling them they can't do it. So you saw a lot of boys just going out there, expressing themselves. And yeah, two fully stacked teams. Uh, crowd wasn't huge, so like 35,000, but it was some running rugby. It was one of those, I was filming pitch side, change rooms, team arrivals. So I was kind of filming the bench. So I wasn't really watching the game. And it was just like, try, try, try. It ended up like 45 or 46, 42 or something outrageous like that. I, I tried to find the highlights, but I don't think any have gone up online yet. But I'd love to have a watch of that. Oh, man, there was some outrageous tries. It would have been class. Speaking of people out of contract as well, have you seen Colby's being let go? from um Toulon just without I, I don't think he wanted to go but they just kind of let him go and he was class on the weekend in the um uh, challenge cup final um so yeah rugby's in a weird place when someone like Chelsea and Colby's been let go and all those players in that bar bars and world 15s teams or quite a few of them out of contract cash mate he's demanding too much cash but yeah it was good it was a good game um alan Wynn was playing and he took two abysmal conversions like at the end he had the whole like icelandic uh like clap going he got the whole crowd going and he shanked it wide it was like ah oh, mate come on you can't finish your career on that but he's playing he's playing tonight actually they're playing down st helens against the whites so That'll be quite a cool game. And apparently he's playing at first half Barbarians and then second half he's playing for the Whites. Absolutely oh, wow. love that. Yeah. Oh, class. He's just changing jerseys. Class. So, class. Yeah, that'll be good. But That's awesome. Yeah, it'd be good, mate. Busy. Busy has got lots of things coming up, but can't really complain. Uh, what about you, Hazard? What have you been up to since you've been back? Yeah, so I had the two weeks on tour and then... Um, just kind of came back. The weather's been lovely, but I haven't really been doing a whole lot just been quite tired trying to recover and just sort of have this focus with um two tournaments coming up now uh in june we've got the olympic qualifier at the end of june but we've got like a seeding tournament taking place in the algarve um next weekend not bad at all 
No, not, not too bad at all, but it's just a bit random, like this whole seeding tournament. Um, I don't really kind of get it, but it's sort of how Rugby Europe likes to do things. Um, I was trying to, I was saying to the uh, some of the lads the other day that every qualification year for any tournament that Rugby Europe's involved in changes every single time. Oh, so every time <laughs> they're, they're, a, they're a shambles, like honestly, like there's no consistency whatsoever in terms of just how qualification is going to take place. Now, I, I understand that each tournament is different, like a World Cup is obviously going to be different to an Olympics, but the way that it's uh, set up is uh, changes every single year. And it's as if that like each nation has to come to some sort of agreement. Oh, we weren't happy with it last time. Or no, we want to do it this way this time. Or no, we want to do it this way. It's just like, just keep it like everywhere else in the world. Just have the one off. Like, I don't know why we need to seed to play. It'd be so much better. They um, are France involved in this one as well. Because that's always the other thing that used yeah. to like blow my mind. They're already qualified, and then they let them play in a tournament with such big um, outcomes at the end of it. And it's like, come on, this is like tournament one hundred and one. Yeah, uh, it's France, GB, Ireland, and Belgium in the same pool of the seeding tournament. Madness! <laughs> Madness! <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who's 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 written the script on this one. Like, I'm not sure. Honestly, that is the most stacked team apart from Spain. That um, Belgium are the next best team in in that competition. So you have four of the top five in one pool. Four of the top five. You chucked you chucked Germany up there as well, but obviously Belgium managed to win that. Portugal, Portugal, Belgium managed to win that last Challenger Series tournament, beating a very strong Tonga team. You lads, Ireland have obviously gone really well this year. GB are finding a bit of form, and then, well, France are already qualified. So what? What are you doing in the tournament, lads? It's just ridiculous. What is the premise of the tournament? Has uh, is it? This is the seedings. This isn't the actual qualification tournament. This is the seedings for the qualification tournament. Is it? Yeah. yeah. What does that even mean? I don't get like what does that mean? why. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying to figure out. You need. We need to play to then be seeded. From one to twelve, I presume, um, and then we get to then play again in two weeks' time. So, like, you know, uh, for argument's sake, like France aren't even there. So I don't know what happens to the them in terms of when we go to Krakow. Like, are they not playing? And does that mean their seeding is completely irrelevant? And is another team brought into the tournament? I don't know. Um, if we play GB this I don't uh, think Rugby Europe know either. They're going to change the rules between Algarve and Krakow, 100%. 100%. So then, like, technically, right, we play GB this weekend. You could end up playing them again in Algarve. You could end up playing them again. You could play them three times in two weeks. Like, or same with, like, likes of Spain. You could play all these teams so many times. It just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But, you know, going back to uh, what I was saying before was... When we tried to qualify for the World Cup in San Francisco, it was a World Series in Rugby Europe. We had to play four tournaments and all the points combined over the four tournaments were used to qualify. And us, Russia and Spain went into the last tournament on the same Nuts. points. I remember that. So it came down to the last tournament there and whoever got through the quarters was saying, 
I remember the last time though they did. I'm pretty sure they did something like a seed in tournament for um, the last European qualifier, but they wouldn't let GB players GB uh, for the last Olympic qualifier. So you had England and Wales. There, Scotland uh, haven't played in rugby Europe for a little while, and we ended up playing each other in quite a big match. And it was essentially if Eng- uh, England were doing the qualifying for GB and it was basically if we beat England, then GB doesn't qualify. And if England beat us, then GB <laughs> qualifies. So you're like, it's almost like shoot, <laughs> shooting yourself to like, yeah, cutting your nose off to spite your face. Uh, we, to be fair, played like a really young team and, um, lost the game but I think I remember a few of the England lads were like lads we generally thought you were going to let us just walk over you for 14 minutes and then the boys were like uh, if you stick like a 17 year old in front of the white jersey they're going to go hammer and tong and they for the first like seven eight minutes they were right in it and then eventually England won which obviously helped the qualifying for the next tournament which uh, GB obviously uh, won and then went to the Olympics with that. If there was ever going to be match fixing taking place, it was going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, mad, absolute madness. So the Algarve Sevens tournament, uh, twelve teams, like you said: Pool C, France, Belgium, Ireland, Great Britain, Pool A, Spain, Portugal, Lithuania, Czech Republic, and Pool B: Germany, Italy, Georgia, uh, Romania. So yeah, you've got an absolutely savage pool. What's the chat heading into it? What's the talk amongst the boys, and and what's the feeling in the squad? Ah, well, it sort of, I guess, mind shift just after London. Like, so um, I don't think we've dealt too, too, too much into like what the mindset really is. I suppose it's just that on everyone's mind is trying to qualify for the Olympics. So I guess it's just a case of just trying to be on form in every game and, and like mainly focuses on us, really. Or I'd like to think so. So just how we play how we want to play how like the things that we want to do and what we're good at and all that kind of stuff um i know it sounds so cliche all the time but when you look back at like when you do really well in tournaments or when you do really well against um a really strong team it always comes back to those types of things it's like you know we did this really well we tackled like our defense was amazing our our set piece was clinical like it's never about oh well yeah, New Zealand turned over the ball six times, so we scored every time. It never comes to that. It's always your side, so just all that focus. Yeah, and just nail it. And it's nice to have the good weather too here, so it means we can train outside and just kind of have good sessions and things like that. So it's been going well. Algarve's quite a nice place to go as well, so it's not like you go into the depths of Europe somewhere, like in the Eastern Bloc. No. You go in the Algarve, which is there was quite a... nice. <laughs> Yeah, oh, we used to, it was always Russia the first one uh, in rugby Europe, like back in 2018 and things out to Moscow. But um, I don't think I don't think our flight is going to be affected. But you never know. But I saw um, someone posting about the Portuguese airport officials have been going on strike. Oh no! So like it's been taking hours to get through the airport just to get your passport checked. Uh, their dates were posted on like the post that I saw, but I don't know if that was just towards the Lisbon airport specifically or um, all of the airports in Portugal. So hopefully when we fly, we don't land into into the Algarve and then have to wait like, you know, four or five hours because they're on strike. That would be my only concern now. But yeah, 
I'm pretty sure the there's like an open tournament as well, I think, because Hong Kong are heading over to play in this as well. So I think it's going to be quite a big setup. And then I'm pretty sure they've got like netball tournaments going on as well. So I think there's like Rugby Europe, an elite, an open men's and women's, and then a whole netball tournament. So it could be a, a big old festival. Hong Kong play well enough, they might get a spot in crack out like <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I played there. I coached uh, the UR Sevens there a couple of years ago. It is a lovely setup, uh, like real nice arena. So I think it'll be, yeah, it's grown every year. I played that four or five years ago. And I think it's just kept growing. So yeah, I think it'll be a bit of, bit of a festival. And are you boys going straight on to the second tournament uh, after that? Or are you going home and then coming back? Because it goes to Hamburg. No, no, uh, no, 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 no. So it's it's here. Then you'll have Krakow and then you'll have Hamburg. Yeah, the, um, I've heard some funny chat around the Hamburg. So particularly with the GB setup, all their contracts actually end after the Krakow. And then you'll know then whether you're in the Olympic, uh, in for an Olympic year or not. And then they're out of contract for this Hamburg one. So I, I think teams are going to be struggling for players for that after such a long season and players out of contract. Uh, what is it? The Hamburg tournament is on the 10th, I believe. And then you've got the New York tournament on the 15th as well, which is like the million dollar tournament too. So I think that we might have more of like a younger squad go to Hamburg or like if there's blokes over in like the UK who are IQ qualified and things like that might have like an opportunity to look at guys because whether you qualify for the Olympics or not, like in terms of like an Irish point of view or like any of the like uh, any of the European teams who aren't struggling in rugby Europe, they don't you don't you know you don't need to like actually send a strong squad if you've done really well in the previous ones you know that kind of way it's an opportunity for for new lads to play so I think that probably would be the go but no we'll come home for Krakow it's um part of the European Games as well so it's like a mini Olympics that's taking place. Yeah, so all the sports are there. I, I presume other sports can qualify for the Olympics during the European Games as well. I don't really know a whole lot about it because obviously the focus is on our tournament. But um, I think the tournament for us is actually Sunday, Monday, Tuesday because it's not a case of playing it on the weekend. It's just you just fall at this part of the tournament. So, um, yeah, it'd be quite interesting. I think it looks really cool because it's like athletics, basketball, handball. Um, it's almost like a mini boxing. boxing. It's almost like a mini Commonwealth Games almost. And I think you're playing in one of the pretty sick football stadiums out there as well. So, and um, someone was telling me they've sold quite a few tickets. So it could be quite a good crowd for it. Exciting. Exciting. And I'm glad that it's now. I'm glad that the tournament's like in June. I spoke to some of the other nations, like you're looking at August, September and November for other parts of the world. Yeah. August for the States and Canada, September for like Africa, November for the Pacific uh, nations. And then I am guessing that it will be January for South America because they run the Sud America sevens in January. I'm presuming that will be the qualifier. I'm not sure. So like that's a, Freaking long time away. A lot can change in that amount of time. Um, 
So I'm just kind of glad it's now. Yeah, you'd rather get a, extend the season a little bit, drag it out, and then you're done. You can switch off, like have a proper off season, and then go back into preseason rather than like kind of not being able to switch off between now and September. It's it's a long time to be thinking about that Olympic qualification because especially for someone like the states where it's so key to their funding and and everything that comes with the media attention the, the olympics is their their pin it's most people's pinnacles but for the usa it's that extra level so yeah i can imagine that sort of pressure and stress going through the summer where you're trying to have an off season they also have like the the pan am games as well which is like um yeah it's over that time of year but i think them and as well as south america or south america geez, south africa were kind of they're kind of on like a two-week on two week off or a week off kind of schedule for a couple of weeks. And then they're going to go to like the and uh, the New York sevens as well. And then you're into the Pan Am games. Then you're qualified. Like there's no summer there. That's just like hanging over you. I know it's an amazing opportunity to qualify for the Olympics, but Jesus, like that's, that just extends. That basically makes your whole summer or your whole uh, season a year. Wow. Brutal. Really? Brutal. Yeah, be long. Brutal. So, for people who aren't aware, you got this seeding tournament, then you got the actual qualification tournament in Krakow, and one team qualify from Europe to go to the Olympics. And then is it the second and third then go to the repercharge, which is in Monaco again? So you, you kind of you got to be top three, really. Ideally, you want to be win, you want to win this tournament, but you know if worst comes to worst, you're top three, so you got that that spot in Monaco. Yeah, and then there's one team from every region qualifies from. Uh, for their part, so like obviously North, South America, Africa, Asia, and Pacific, and then then the last spot is for the from the Monaco team tournament, and two two come from every one of those nations or the those regions as well, roughly anyway. Yeah, well, well complicated, Tough. but well, that wouldn't be rugby sevens. If it wasn't <laughs> complicated, was it? So oh, it never ceases to amaze me, honestly. Mad. How is the actually feeling this time of the season? You're a player, obviously plays loads of minutes. How are you feeling? Just drained, like at the moment, or have been. Um, day off today, which would be nice, and then like the weekend as well to chill. So we'll be fine. I just I do find after doing two back to backs and like basically playing most of the minutes, you just you're just you're just drained, really. So it's just a case of get sleeping well eating well and just kind of getting back into into it and i do find like uh, we'll get a week off i kind of be fine for the week off and then like the monday when i come back in you know be pretty rusty but i actually find through the week i get better as the week goes on i guess kind of getting back moving um and just being back in like the system and and going through training the body just kind of gets back to where it needs to be um i guess like the week off is great but you know, it's kind of slow to get going at the beginning of the week. But yeah, you can, I can definitely feel like it's the end of the year, for sure. Yeah. You lads uh, off to Croatia again this year? After the season? Yeah. Is that all fucked in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we went to Havar last year in Croatia, and it was unbelievable. Like, I, I haven't really done too many lads holidays, but this one was just, like, perfect. Great weather, blue crystal clear water um there was a bar that's like right down on the water so you can like have a few beers hop into the water go for a swim music incredible like dj playing all day 
And then we became good friends with the bartender, actually Tony, who's like one of the managers now. He flew over to Dublin to come see uh, Jordan and I for a visit. Like, um, so hopefully go back and Tony will take care of us when we're there. Um, but one of the lads, Mark Roach, who's getting married, we're trying to like organize it as uh, sort of like a mini stag for him, I suppose. He's getting married like the week the week after. And it's sort of like an end, end of season party as well. So it'll be a nice way to kind of wrap up the year. We were looking to go maybe somewhere else. But if you look into like, say, Ibiza, it's so expensive when you're there in terms of like trying to get into nightclubs and things. And um, same with like Mykonos and those types of places. But I find like, I don't know, it's, it's very a generalistic kind of thing. But the people that are there as well can kind of be a bit like different or like not the, not the, type of people that we would usually hang around with rugby lads would be cut on their own sort of page um but when we were in a bar last year i think um there was such a nice mix of people whether it was just like uh people on their holidays like with their family backpackers but then like millionaires who own the yachts like right literally right in front of the bar but no one would ever know like it's not like they're ordering bottles down all the time or have like a vip section it's just they're in and amongst it with everybody else so kind of quite a nice um yeah audience that's there which is fun and then a road trip afterwards i might have to try and rope these two lads in on this road trip as well we'll see what happens off to lithuania latvia estonia and helsinki for a bit of crack you know we'll see how we go unreal that's hell of a that's hell of a road trip yeah 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 so it should be good um there's a it's only 10 hours from lithuania to helsinki or like 11 so you can go through like three or four countries pretty quick. So just try and rent a car and go to a few spots and um, yeah, do some content. Be fun. Nice time of year as well. Uh, so how are you lads feeling ahead of the New York City Sevens? Obviously, big, big prize money. There's actually money uh, riding on every game, which I found out. So how are you feeling and, and what's going to be the prize money split if you do win some big dollar? One million dollar. <laughs> um, <laughs> to be honest we don't really know a whole lot about the tournament especially about the prize splitting part but uh, potentially maybe 50-50 with union and players or um, like maybe it just depends how far you go I r- really 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 don't know um, do you know the, the breakout of the cash per game or every group game there's money on every game if you win a group game you get 20 grand Team gets 20 grand. If you lose a group game, you get five grand. You get 25 grand, imagine. <laughs> so if you lose all three group games, you get 15 grand. So, okay. you know, so yeah, it's four, two groups of four, and then everyone plays each other once in the groups, and that determines the seeding. So three group games, and then first place first to win the big prize, second place second, third place third, fourth place fourth. Uh, you got to play a tournament in South Carolina just to seed you first, though, <laughs> in New York City tournament. That's the only, that's the only catch. Yeah, so each game has prize money on it and it's cumulative. So I don't know the breakdown for the other ones, but I know group games are 20 grand for the winner, five grand for the loser. And the final game, so the top two teams play off for 450 grand if you win that game. So, you know, you're looking at, if you win all three group games in the final game, you're looking at half a mil. That's Um, nuts. Jesus. So, yeah, big money. I don't know the rest of the split. We'll try and find that out, but news exclusive but yeah i love that you're like i hope it's 50 50 wrong 90 yeah. 10 
if you win that amount of money split between 12 boys, that's 21 grand each. Yeah. Uh, I guess you'd have to give the coaches. So, oh, no, they'll have it from the 50 split of the... Uh... If they're sound, it's just they take the amount of money it costs them to get over, which is probably half a million. <laughs> they are, yeah, they, they're not doing that. No. <laughs> I reckon they'll give you 100 quid each to go to Croatia oh, with. Yeah. And don't spend don't spend it all at once. To be honest, I don't even want to like even think about it or like try and come up with all these different scenarios because then you end up just getting sour over what you want and then what you end up getting kind of thing. It's just like, oh, whatever. Like how many of these like am I actually gonna be around for? We'll see. You know. They always say that they do these things, they do one of them and then it's like, Yeah, we've got a whole thing planned and then next thing it's just like doesn't come to fruition or whatever so let's play this one let's see how we go from here yeah you play for the love of the game though really don't you money's not doesn't matter you just play for uh, never money. never ever <laughs> <laughs> i know what you mean though because there's talk of doing four tournaments next year and then expanding it again but again you don't know you know it, this it could collapse after one season they want to do a draft system so there's lots of the pipeline there's lovely great ideas but until they actually come to fruition, it's all hearsay, isn't it? So enjoy this one. And, and if you win, you can have a hell of a ripper in uh, Croatia. That's it, exactly. Well, we asked you, Doc, what this is um, this week, Harry. How how you how have you reflected on the season and what was the vibe after the Island women won the Olympic qualification? Because obviously that's huge for them. Well, I suppose I'll start with the women. Um that was massive. It gave us an unbelievable buzz as well in Toulouse. Um, we still had like a game or two left. And um, obviously us qualifying uh, for, for Monaco uh, previously before we sort of... There goes the fire alarm. Oh, uh, <laughs> we take this outside, lads, will we? Um, no, so having previously qualified myself uh, in Monaco, I had like uh sort of like flashbacks of that happening when the girls qualified that sensation that overall buzz that that feeling um it's incredible like i don't think you could replicate it it'd be very difficult to do something like that in in another way in life um so i was i was absolutely delighted for them it was actually shaky i had like goosebumps and uh kind of lost for words when i got to see all the girls i was um delighted for them i since since the men's program uh, in 2015, I'm actually trying to think. I don't think the women's program has actually had any sort of qualification success as big as this. Um, in turn, like, and comparing to the men, we had a qualification with Hong Kong, we had a qualification with the Olympics, and we had uh, we came third in the in the World Cup as well. Um, so we've had some quite big moments. Um for the girls they, they missed out on the other olympics they've qualified for the world cups but didn't quite get like the same success um with getting a medal so this was like a massive 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 um yeah i could kind of go on about it all day because it was so huge and it resonated with me so much and it was great and i'm delighted for them and it's it's huge for women's rugby's really had a, a tough time in ireland as well um there's been a lot of news especially around the 15s programs um, they haven't been quite successful, so this has brought like a really good news story back to women's rugby in Ireland, and um, hopefully, it can just kind of <clears throat> bring more of a positive note to the whole thing, which would be great. And I'm delighted for those girls that worked so hard. So, yeah, that's great, and hopefully, we can join them and have a year running it. 
Um, and in terms of the overall year, um, I think that we came eighth, <clears throat> middle of the table. I think that's kind of like a justified sort of position to come. If you were to take Ireland as a program, we've only really been in the World Series for about two and a half seasons. So we got half a season before COVID. We kind of got that interim season that didn't have all the teams playing um, sort of at the back end of COVID with the two Canada, two, two Dubai and two Spain legs. Um, and then we, uh, and then there was a couple legs after that. And then we did this full season. So like realistically from an experience point of view, this program has only had about two and a half years. And if you were to take any team and put them on the world series and say, you've got two years to run at it, like, you know, where would you expect to come to say eighth, I think would be like quite a high up place rather than saying like, you know, uh, close to relegation battle. Um, I guess that's a broader, a broader view on the whole thing. Um, I think we could have very easy, not easily, that's the wrong term, but like it could have, we could have finished higher or lower just as easily as coming eighth. Um, I think we, I think what Australia, I think had 124 points, I think was the, the final, um, 133. Yeah. So they were 19 ahead of you in the end. So 19 points. We scored one point in Singapore. We didn't win a game. Um, if you added 10 points there, which would have been viable. And also in in uh, Cape Town, we didn't make it out of the pool. We did, I think we came 13th maybe there. So if you, I don't know what how many points that, that's like three or five. Add another five, another five points there. That's 15 points. Like, that's just two, from two tournaments. And... Um, next thing you know, that's like sixth in the world ish in and around there. Um, and, and very close to qualifying for the Olympics straight away. So that's just how close the whole season was. Um, so eighth, yeah, you can kind of take what you want from an outside point of view, but if you actually look at the points and how close that the, the series was all year, like it's a, it's literally a knife's edge between fifth and 10th come anywhere so happy would have liked to have gone and done better in those other tournaments and possibly qualified for the olympics that was my goal but at the same time um yeah eighth i'm not i'm not too not too worried about eighth either yeah no i think um that top nine ten like you say there was uh definitely split from the ones below them and there was lots of chopping and changing uh, as each tournament went some teams obviously had slightly better rubs of the green uh other teams went all the way from like fourth down to seventh and stuff and i think america were potentially the biggest fallers in the end weren't they were in terms of where they started the year and where they ended up um like yeah they ended up finishing 10th um even below uh they were 10th and great britain were ninth um, oh did they jump oh wow yeah Bearing in mind, USA won two bronze medals at the start of the year. I think that just shows how competitive those top 10 teams are. And uh, it's going to get even more concentrated with this 12-team format next year. So, yeah, I think I, I completely agree with, with your points there, Harry. I think also another thing I wanted to add, sorry, um, 
if you take a look at the top five teams, so the top the, the teams that qualified for the Olympics, and then probably Samoa as well. I'd like to say they probably had the most consistency within their squad squads. Like I know that New Zealand team changed with a few young lads and stuff, but like they were pretty much already qualified at that stage. Like I don't I don't even remember any changes in that Argentinian team. France were pretty much the same through and through. Uh, uh, sorry, who else? The Fiji, pretty similar the whole way through. Uh, Australia were very... They only have about 14 lads in the program, and two of them were injured um, with Henry Hutchinson and Malouf. I think, I think that's one of the big things in New Zealand. You might see younger players come in, but as far as I'm aware, these younger players are still training for like months at a time with the team. Um, they're not literally just plucked out of schoolboy rugby or uh, might attend or whatever it is. They are like, I think they interviewed Moses uh, Leo in London and he got asked about the younger players coming in. And he was like, to be honest, if someone's good enough to be training with us up in the Mount, then they're good enough to play on the World Series. And uh, he was basically saying it doesn't matter who, whether you're 50 caps or it's your first cap, we've done the same training over the last five six months uh, any one of us can step in i think that's always a vast difference to maybe how the other teams like i i know you've got quite a decent decent squad and decent input from some of the regions but uh if you're out of those top five like you're saying often lads could literally be brought in a week or two before which is absolutely not enough time to get ready for the world series no and also like kind of the point i was going to get to was that all those well not all those but most of those teams would have like a bit of a sevens history background so like you've got lads playing at 18 they've already played sevens tournaments in school they're playing it for their club when they leave so they're going into the sevens program say in new zealand like they've actually played tournaments um whereas ireland has like two and they're seen as social so there actually isn't any like real sevens rugby being played so in terms of being able to get experience you have to get it on the World Series. You have to get it in a tournament like Hamburg. So for us, we actually had quite a, a, a big fluctuation in our squad probably across the year, um, I would say. Like, you know, we had six different players between Toulouse and London, um, which you wouldn't really see in any team. I know it's obviously we're close and we had the the capabilities of doing that. But even between legs and legs, like tournaments and tournaments, teams wouldn't really do six different changes but we need to do that in order to be able to grow our squad and to be able to um like get a deeper squad get a better team so like you can i think you can actually only go so far in the world series if you're doing that because that consistency within a squad plays such a big role in in getting further and getting more points whereas like you get a couple new lads in like obviously there's going to be mistakes made and kind of figuring it out and getting experience in the world series is completely different so i think it's uh yeah it's it's just about right probably fair enough yeah good reflection of that and like you said doc the usa were were second after four tournaments they've ended up 10th you know that's that's so much of a zigzagging fluctuating table we had teams were here there and the other and i think that like you said that one point in singapore absolutely kind of killed off the chance yeah it was was an uphill (laughs) struggle from there but yeah you know it was so close it was the it was the most uh, contested and exciting series we've seen and 
such a shame we're dropping under 12, but, you know, we'll keep moaning about it, but it's, it's, it's done now. Um, Doc, anything else you want to ask before we move on to your This Is, This Is and Sevens? Uh, no, all good. Uh, so This Is and Sevens, kind of mentioned it earlier. Um, Cheslin Kobe probably, he's an absolute star of the 15s game. Some people know how big he was in Sevens beforehand. One of these players told he's too small whatever so he went to play sevens he's been absolutely phenomenal i first played against him when i was 18 i think 18 or 19 in dubai in the invitational circuit and uh, he absolutely did me for a kipper face on the floor and i was like jesus christ that lad's good and then uh, he's obviously gone on to incredible things with south africa at the world cups and everything so to see him just be left out of toulon and doesn't seem to have been given a reason. All the newspaper articles about him, he just says he doesn't understand. Um, I just think that just, like, there's so much good going on in French rugby, but I can't believe one of the biggest players like that is just being told to find somewhere else to go, especially when he played so well on the weekend. So uh, this isn't sevens this week. It's kind of a connection through Ches and Colby to sevens, but Toulon getting that one. Uh, any thoughts on that, lads? Any further thoughts? No, I just saw that on Twitter. I didn't even really know much about it, but surely there's more to it than that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think hopefully we'll see him back in the sevens year. You know, he could be coming back into the sevens for the Olympics next year. Uh, he'll pick up a club, no doubt. Yeah, that would be unreal if he came back. Uh, and yeah, talking of teams where they're finishing, obviously South Africa won't be happy finishing seventh compared to their normal standards. And do they bring some old heads like Colby back in? Like I think he's still only 29. So he's got loads of years ahead of him still. Um, and then this is sevens. Um Probably one of the biggest news stories, something I was fairly shocked about, but it's an incredible opportunity. Clark Laidlaw is heading over to the Hurricanes to be head coach. Uh, obviously, New Zealand have had an incredible year this year. Clark Laidlaw has been looking after them since 2017. Uh, they put a list of every uh, kind of achievement they've had pretty much gold and silver medals everywhere from Olympics to Commonwealth Games. I think it's set, uh, three World 7 Series titles. And especially now, they just look in phenomenal form, seem a real tight bunch of boys. Um, so I was quite surprised to see him leave this uh, with obviously the Olympic year coming up. But again, I think in New Zealand, taking one of those super rugby head jobs is 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 impressive um so this is sevens this year is uh clock laid law uh just amazing work he's done the legacy he's left the new zealand sevens and stepping into a new uh a new um team in the hurricanes in new zealand thoughts on that one lads i didn't really see it coming i mean <clears throat> earlier in the year i think it was just after like cape town it just was like laid law resigns with sevens till 2025 and then Probably just after Vancouver. I think it was announced that he's taking the under-20s for the summer. But I was like, well, they're going to qualify for the Olympics straight off. So he's got nothing to do for the summer. <laughs> Might as well just like take them. And then I think there's three there's three lads on that 20s team who played on the World Series this year. Is that as nuts? Well. Yeah, just, so, just to show the... How talented these guys are. I think it might be two now because Solo dislocated his shoulder, I think, there in London. But it was meant to be Solo, Che Clark, and it might be Spencer. But he's only like 18. So I don't know if he's That's playing that, that high up or not. But yeah, they've all played in the World Series. They've all won legs. They've all won a World Series and they're 
under 20. It's insane to me. Um, so I was just like, oh, well, yeah, it makes sense. He's coaching a few of those boys anyway. Take that coach and then obviously this game. So didn't really see it coming. But then one of the guys yesterday was like, well, it doesn't it really make sense because he's gone to go coach a 15 team for the summer. So probably it was always in the pipeline to then just keep, carry on as well. So it does make a bit of sense as well. Yeah, I think he was the first ever non-New Zealand uh, person to coach a New Zealand international team. So and he's done an incredible job. He's won, apart from the Olympics, he's won everything he can win. Uh, two World Series, Gold, World Cup, Gold, Commonwealth Games. He's got a silver at the Tokyo Olympics. Obviously, the only thing he hasn't won is the Olympics, but that's another year away and you don't know if these opportunities are going to come around. So I don't blame him. Um, again, he's probably got a young family. Travelling doesn't help these things and just having a bit more stability at home would make sense. But I think everyone will have that aspirations to coach a Super 15s team. And then you never know, he could want to go and coach the All Blacks 15s, which given his calibre and the quality of coach he is. Mm. He's a very good guy. Out. Yeah, He's very a really good guy. nice guy. Yeah. When I was um, travelling, I went over to the mountain. He, he gave me like 45 minutes to an hour and he, I asked him a lot of questions about coaching. Yeah, he took time out and he was just a really sound guy. And he, he gave me loads of advice and he shared loads of information, which he didn't need to do. But he took time out of his day to chat to me and, and show, show me about the programme, which... I was super grateful for at the time. So, yeah, top guy. Wish him all the best. Okay. Fair play to you. I was going <laughs> to ask you, what was the best question you asked him in that 45 minutes? I asked him the, the worst advice he's ever heard. And he was like, that's a really good question. Because everyone asks for the best advice, but no one asks for, like, what's something that, like, you often hear people say and you're like, that's a load of bollocks. And he was like, that's a good question. I can't remember what he said. Don't ask. He was like... <laughs> <laughs> what's not even that good? It was seven years ago. I wasn't listening. I switched off by that point. Right Actually, there. forget about it. I don't even want to know. I just don't even want to know. Don't waste your time. I'll guess what your worst advice would be. I know we've got 45 minutes, but I'll guess. It's, there's this guy on TikTok that reminds me of. He's called, I think he's called like the Salty Squid or something. I don't know how he films it. He must have a GoPro on his chest, but he goes up to people, say, like at like a, a, a beach, and they'll be drinking like a cup, bottle of Coke. Where'd you get that Coke? And then as soon as they open their mouth, like, over he's like ah oh, yeah that's enough all right yeah <laughs> he walks off <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, brilliant yeah god it was so long ago i can't remember the answer but he actually said that was a good question so. you'll have to go back down and ask him <laughs> has anybody asked you a better question than me four years ago since then uh clark and then see what he says <laughs> and then cut him off be like no no they haven't no they haven't no i don't want to know what's your shout out this week doc uh big shout out to uh absolute legend of uh cycling uh big g Geraint. uh he lost he was in the giro d'italia he's been wanted to win this race for years he lost the pink jersey which is the same as the yellow jersey for the tour de france on the last day he was so close to winning and instead of just uh giving up he decided to help his old mate who's been cycling with for 25 years mark cavendish uh secure his last win in his last ever race as a pro in the giro and uh, I think he just sums up what's great about Wales and Welsh sport. He's an absolute hero. And in doing good deeds, he also said this week he'll handle the um, the emails and shout outs and everything for us. So if you uh, drop us a DM or an email and uh, Big G, Geron uh, Thomas will uh, get back to you on that one. What a guy. I watched the Giro most days. I subscribed to GCN Plus, gutted for him, losing it by 14 seconds on that last stage. But what a hero, you know, picking himself up the next day and, 
helping out a former teammate on a different team. Didn't need to do it. Helping him secure his, like you said, his, his final race win on the final stage. What a guy. And what a guy. Some of his answers were absolutely brilliant uh, in the tour. I think someone asked someone asked him at one point, uh, like the 80s and 90s cyclists were saying, oh, why, why aren't you guys racing? Like, why are you taking it so slow? Why aren't you attacking? He's like, well, there's a lot of other things they did in the 80s and 90s that we don't do now. And we're pretty proud of it, meaning drugs. <laughs> he's like, just kind of like walked off. And I was like, what a, what, a, what a response. Just mic drop, walked off. But yeah, what a guy. Uh, remember no, no, one more, one more. if you if you were interviewing Gary Thomas what one question would you ask him what's the worst advice you've ever been given <laughs> what's the worst climb in Wales I'd ask him I'd ask him what's the worst climb in Wales and then I'd go <laughs> seek it out and do it myself what's the worst way to ride a bicycle Gary <laughs> that's a great question <laughs> uh, brilliant uh remember uh if you give us a five-star review and you send that screenshot into luke he will get you a running program still yet to claim it uh, but we would appreciate if you give us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts uh yeah as always we've been this is Heaven's podcast until next time Salange. Salange.